I'm Bill Lawrence, and this is my Big Bag of Onions. The government to California, broken hearts and bars unknown. This night we'll share a lover on that dark radio. How the soul may be so lonely. Hands pressed cold against the phone. See all the stars descending Radio here is a particular challenge because reduced gravity messes up the astronauts' metabolism and their freeze-dried dinner floats around while it is being reconstituted with water. Imagine then the delight on the 10th of August last year when astronauts were able to snack on freshly harvested space-grown red romaine lettuce. This veggie experiment was the first time that NASA crews could eat what they grew, but it took a lot of effort. Plants were carefully nourished with hydroponic solutions, which are highly refined soils without the muck, while special lighting made the leaves look tasty. The salad was cleaned with citrus sanitizing wipes, then nibbled raw. By December 27th, Scott Kelly, who is spending a year in space, tweeted on the progress of the lettuce. Our plants aren't looking too good. Would be a problem on Mars. In practical terms, we have a long way to go. Love me, love me, say you do. Let me fly away with you. For my like the wind and wild is the wind give me more than one caress satisfy this hungryness let the wind blow through your heart cause why sound of mandolins You kissed me 
Think about insurance, particularly in life insurance. You get your policy, sign the paper for it, and then forget about it. And then, when you die, your wife thinks about the fact that you have insurance. But there's no interaction. And this changes it completely. We talk to you every day. You talk to us every day. It changes your relationship that almost no other insurance company would have. Others we spoke with had a similar perspective. They focused first on making people healthy, supporting education, or helping with financial security. Then they figured out how to use data, new machines, and new business models to make it happen. Success follows. Okay. 
I like to think that I'm a fairly tolerant person, but I really can't stand chewing gum. I'm sure that some gum chewers are highly responsible with the way they dispose of their used gum, but unfortunately there are very many more who are not. Um, pavements are covered in spots of gum. Even worse, some people stick their used gum on furniture, under desks and seats. And so as well as being unsightly, it can get on the bottom of your shoes and on your clothes and it's a nightmare to get rid of. The main base of gum is water insoluble and it can't be digested by human gut enzymes. But I reckon it should be possible to include a set of enzymes in chewing gum that will start to break it down as soon as it's moistened by saliva. Actually, even better than that, it might be possible to find a fungus that can do the job. Fungi, of course, as we've heard, exude whole sets of enzymes that can break down complex molecules. When this system's been invented, I'd make it a legal requirement for all chewing gum and bubblegum manufacturers. Love is love. 
by and by, the other creatures would be distributed here and there about the earth, scattered. The tigers to India, the lions and the elephants to the vacant desert and the secret places of the jungle, the birds to the boundless regions of empty space, the insects to one or another climate according to nature and requirement. But the fly? He is of no nationality. All the climates are his home. All the globe is his province. All creatures that breathe are his prey. And unto them all, he is a scourge and a hell. To a man, he is a divine ambassador, a minister plenipotentiary, the creator's special representative. He infests him in his cradle, clings in bunches to the gummy eyelids, buzzes and bites and harries him, robbing him of his sleep and his weary mother of her strength in those long vigils which she devotes to protecting her child from this pest's persecution. The fly harries the sick man in his home, in the hospital, even on his deathbed at his last gasp.
Nuclear power generation using thorium is one of the greatest unrecognized technologies that can radically recalibrate and remedy our dependence on carbon fuels and uranium for power generation. Most people aren't aware that nuclear power plants can operate with a very abundant, cheap, stable mineral like thorium. Thorium reactor byproducts cannot be converted to weapons technologies and produce very little waste radioactive material. Yet thorium nuclear power is hardly mentioned in the media or in the corridors of political power because of existing entrenched corporate, military and investment interests. It seems to me that a shared global initiative to switch to safe, clean thorium nuclear power could simultaneously reduce global carbon emissions, environmental damage and human exploitation, diffuse the geopolitical conflicts caused by carbon-based fuel industries, reduce the proliferation of nuclear weapons and increase access to cheap electricity worldwide. This can offer a technological bridge to a long-term future of 100% safe, renewable energy technology. Pops the wheel of raw desire 
Let your wreckage cleanse my skin You never give up the seed I belong to in the winter It's your listening to my big bag of onions we should ban all instruction manuals it should be forbidden to produce any gadget that cannot be used without manual most manuals that I've come across seem to have been written by the original designers of the product a grave mistake we don't want to read an entire telephone book just to be able to switch something off or make a basic change in its operations. Gadgets and devices should be built in such a way that using them is self-evident and under no circumstances should be allowed to have buttons decorated by unintelligible symbols. Designers of software producing unintelligible error messages should be fined. And former manual writers retrained to analyze the cries for help by desperate consumers. If a gadget jams or malfunctions, the thing should analyze its problems by itself, cure them or apologetically instruct the user what needs to be done while checking whether whatever is being done is the right thing. Two sides of Monsieur Valentine 
industrial hotel has been an economic triumph. But over the years, its uniformity has made it an emotional failure. A veteran chef explains the grip that SOPs have. From Tokyo to Sao Paulo, all omelettes must match a laminated picture. They should be cigar-shaped. A manager in Dubai says he follows 2,300 rules, including the phrases used to greet guests. A 2010 Hilton manual stipulates that staff must answer phones after three rings, that guests' pets may not weigh more than 75 pounds or 34 kilos, and that scuba diving boats must provide free pieces of fruit. A 2004 SOP book for Intercontinental allows staff to wait until the fourth ring, requires drinks to be refilled when two-thirds empty, and specifies that rooms must offer at least four pornographic films.
go down, Miss Moses. There's nothing you can't say. It's just old Luke, and Luke's waiting for the judgment day. Well, Luke, my friend, what about young Annalee? You said do me a favor, won't you stay and keep Annalee company? Take a load off Annie. Take a load for free. Take a load off Annie. Hey, you put the load right on. Take a load off Annie. Take a load for free. Take a load off Annie. Hey, you put the load right. mythologized wine, calling it the sap of the sun and the earth. Given this romantic reverie, he would have detested the very idea of bottles with caps that can be twisted off, not corks that have to be internally drilled and then tugged out. A corkless bottle can't squeak, creak, and then pop when it's opened. So what can it say instead? Bart thought of wine as a libation, which embedded the French in their native terrain and made honorary peasants of them. Winemaking likes to present itself as a Dionysian mystery, conducted in underground caverns where grape juice ferments into a mind-altering potion. Screw caps remind us that this arcane process is in fact an industrial operation. They demythologize the solemn business of drinking wine and made the bottle it came in as banal as a Coke can with its briskly rippable caps.
London Marathon but unfortunately I didn't get a place in the ballot and I think that was when I decided that I really did want to do one because when I realised I hadn't got into the, uh, the London Marathon I was really disappointed and I kind of thought oh actually I really would have fancied that so that's when I decided to have a look around at other marathons and um, I did the Manchester Marathon because predominantly because it's the flattest <laughs> and uh, never been to Manchester thought it'd be interesting to go there and have something new to look at while I'm running around. We should all wear a morph suit for a day. It's a bodysuit which covers every part, including the head and face. The manufacturers of these suits say they were so named because they morphed everyone who wore them into a more fun version of themselves. Morph for a day would be a return to the era of masquerade, when people shed their identities and inhibitions in the spirit of carnival. As morphs for a day, we are released from our conformity and the expectations of others. There are no social markers, no class, no colour, no old or young, no cliques, no tribes. 
Child psychologists have noted that children wearing full cover suits are spared the attention of bullies. Unconfident children become more confident and creative as the anonymity allows them to give rein to their imaginations. They can be exactly who they want to be, and they are happier.
love is the way dictator for a day, I'd want to use that time to try and encourage people to think more about globalization and migration. So I would suggest that all goods need to be labeled with all the components of the, in those goods, indicating that they come from different countries. And that people that don't believe in globalization should not be allowed to consume any product or engage with any person that came from another country. What would that mean? It would mean that people had no mobile phones, they had no vehicles, uh, they had no music. They also would not have uh, food, and uh, except very basic local food perhaps, and of course they wouldn't be able to enjoy any services. They wouldn't be able to go to hospital, they wouldn't be able to use medical service, they wouldn't use pharmaceutical services. They would be in an autarkic situation. I think this would demonstrate that we need each other. We need to be able to appreciate that globalization offers us the potential for diversity to escape poverty and to achieve great progress.
listening to my big bag of onions. I have found that I get holes in my socks and specifically in my big toe too frequently. And this is a little awkward because these days in the US they make you take your shoes off in airports and you might meet somebody you know or even in front of strangers you might not want to have your big toe showing uh, through your sock. So I end up always worrying about whether the socks I'm going to put on have, have holes. Now my solution for that would be to create socks that uh, mimic a little bit better than socks that we see the shape of your toes. Mine go really biggest to smallest. I believe that some people's toes go differently. And so I think socks should be designed to take into account uh, different shapes uh, of, of people's toes. And then we would have fewer holes in their socks.
troubles enough got to commit full time if you are going to take it seriously. You can't only put in half an effort and hope to go to the Olympics. So I feel sponsorship really does help out as well as funding like uh, the National Lottery Fund, the Olympics and uh, getting younger athletes from all events into the best position to go to the Olympics and potentially win medals for their country. alive doing anything else than running. It's a great opportunity to make friends, meet new people and uh, even go new places. Join me again soon for another big bag of onions.